Support for Yale Cancer Answers comes from AstraZeneca, the company behind your cancer, an effort to bring together the community that has worked together to bring us miles closer to a world without cancer. To learn more, visit yourcancer.org. Welcome to Yale Cancer Answers with Drs. Anise Chagpar and Stephen Gore. Yale Cancer Answers features the latest information on cancer care by welcoming oncologists and specialists who are on the forefront of the battle to fight cancer. This week, it's a conversation about healthy eating around the holidays with Courtney McGowan and Heidi Larson. Courtney McGowan is a dietitian at the Yale School of Public Health, and Heidi Larson is a clinical dietitian in the Yale Cancer Center outpatient clinics. Dr. Gore is a professor of internal medicine and hematology at Yale and director of hematologic malignancies at the Yale Cancer Center. Just before we get started, you know, I, I stopped recording originally because I was stunned uh, that we were calling you dietitians, which I thought was kind of an old term that we didn't use anymore. I thought we talked about nutrition, nutritionists. Uh, so, and you told me otherwise that uh, nothing's wrong with the dietitian, but I feel like it undersells you guys. Well, as a dietitian, you go through a four-year degree, then you go through a one-year postgraduate internship, and mm -hmm. then you sit for boards. Right. Whereas a nutritionist um, often, um, you know, there's no regulatory oversight. Mm. I'm pretty sure I could um, send in $100 and get a certificate of nutrition for my cat. Uh, I see. <laughs> so nutritionists uh, are kind of more sort of lay people can be or kind of groovy uh, yeah, and some of them are more studied than others, certainly. But there's no, like Katie said, there's no regulatory body that governs that and gotcha. that oversight that makes sure, um, you know, they have the, the foundation of education. So the more mainstream pathway mm -hmm. is still dietitian. It is. And you, yep. and you guys are proud of it, it sounds like. So, we are. Yeah. We are, yeah. Uh, God, I didn't mean to sell you short. It's interesting. I just, I was just trying to be respectful because I do so appreciate the, the work that you do for our patients. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank yeah. you. So uh, we're talking about holidays, and I've got to um, do a little self-confession here. So as you all know, I, I, I am not at my optimal weight, and I was doing really well uh, after we had a uh, we had one of these shows last last year, as you recall, and uh, and uh, that's not why, but you know, subsequent to that, in January ish, I started really uh, sticking to a really great plan for me. I thought it was a a low carb plant based diet. I, I do eat fish, but I'm mostly plant based, so I, I continue to eat fish as a source of protein. And I was doing really well. I wasn't hungry. I was losing weight, you know, half a pound to a pound a week, which would seem quite healthy and uh, enjoying it, um, really enjoying it. Uh, I've never really bought the low carb thing particularly, but it was really working for me. And um, then Passover came. And uh, Passover, of course, family holiday, mm -hmm. uh, focuses around big family meals like Thanksgiving, which is coming up. And of course, uh, because of the Passover rules, is very carb based. It's just you have to eat matzah and you can't, you know. Um, and I never got back on the plan. And now I'm probably 10 pounds higher than when I started. How about that? <laughs> yeah, well, that's what gets tricky about those diets when you end up really eliminating or minimizing food groups is that they're hard to maintain. And so when you have an event like that co that comes up and you've introduced the matzah, it's, it's hard to get back to that elimination group. Whereas if you're following a more balanced diet that includes some carbohydrates, some whole grains, um, you know, you, you 
eat that way for the day or the period of celebration, and then it's important to get back on that healthy eating pattern and you know, get get rid of the pumpkin pie or... <laughs> gotcha. So what shall I do, Courtney? How shall I get myself going uh, <laughs> with Thanksgiving coming up? And really, I do, you know, I do feel better when I'm, uh, you know, when I'm eating well and I do feel better when I'm thinner. There's no question about it. Yeah. So certainly you're on the right track to do a primarily plant-based diet. That's what they recommend for heart disease, diabetes, cancer. It's, it's a great foundation of a diet. It doesn't mean you have to be vegetarian, but choosing your leaner proteins like your chicken, um, fish like you were doing, and then getting your protein from nuts and beans and and other sources like that, Um, and doing grains, but choosing whole grains. Mm -hmm. And so um, part of why you may have done so well is not necessarily because of what you were eating, but because of what you eliminated. So if there's a (laughs) lot of... (laughs) Right. right. I'm not a big bread bread eater, really. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So what what we find, though, is that if people veer more toward the whole grains, Mm -hmm. where you're looking at the fiber content on that nutrition label and eating foods that have two to three or more grams of fiber per serving, that's how you identify it as being a less processed, less refined, good, wholesome carbohydrate choice. Gotcha. One of the things that I was doing, and not to make this about me, but I do like to talk about myself, of course, (laughs) as we all do, uh, is, you know, I got into making these uh, so-called keto breads, which are rather fat dense. Uh, They tend to be gluten-free because they're often in the gluten-free you know, world, uh, and uh, and they're more like uh, they're more like um, you know, like pumpkin bread kind of cakes, really. And they're very they're like two hundred calories for a slice, but they just sit there all afternoon long. And I found that my energy level in the afternoon was better. Now I don't know if it's because of that, but I don't know. I mean, I, I found that very uh, again. It just was like calories that stuck around. Maybe that was totally stupid. Tell me, I was totally stupid, and I shouldn't do that. <laughs> we can't tell you that. <laughs> Well, you know, what I find with the keto diet and why it's so motivating for people is that um, a lot of times people can have an initial significant weight loss. Which is water a lot of times, Because of fluid fluid losses. Um, So, you know, when we make recommendations, we follow evidence-based recommendations. <laughs> so, uh, so shut up, the, Gore. <laughs> so the keto diet, you know, I wasn't it trying does to be work. keto. I was just using the bread. You yeah, know. It, it can be successful initially for people, but with most fad diets, it doesn't work long term. What they have shown, um, there's actually something called the National Weight Loss Registry mm-hmm. that was set up, must be 20 or 25 years ago. And they found that three habits really determined uh, long-term uh, weight loss and weight maintenance. The first being monitoring what you're taking in. Yes, so tracking, now, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So nowadays, it's really easy. They have many apps that you can track what you're taking but, in. But you got to use them. Yeah. After about two weeks of it reminding you that you haven't done it in a while, it stops reminding you. Well, what they're finding is that once you establish the habit, you don't necessarily have to monitor permanently. Mm. But once you start falling off track, it's Mm -hmm. important to get back on there. Gotcha. The second, and I'll admit when I know I haven't been eating well, I'm not jumping on the scale. Right. Same. Not since uh, April. (laughs) (laughs) So the second is periodically monitoring your weight. So you know. So so maybe for the holidays, if people know they are veering off track, the first thing you should do is get on the scale so you know where you are and know what you have to do. 
okay, so I'm going to assume that there are some other people like me. Uh, and my inclination, so this is how I think, okay. So, like, okay, I'm planning, I'm planning, I'm planning, right? And then the, we just had Jewish holidays again. So, well, I'm not going to do it then. And then, of course, on Yom Kippur, we fast, but then we break the fast with a really, really big meal. So, we probably eat more calories wise for, you know, in that meal than for 24 hours prior, right? And then I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm going away to Europe, which I am for a week. So, I'm, you know, I'm going to be in Provence, you know, right? And then is coming Thanksgiving, so I keep thinking, well, maybe I should just, like, wait until after Thanksgiving. Of course, then I have a uh, national meeting, and I'm going to be eating in restaurants, so then I probably should wait till after that, but then there's going to be all the food around the Christmas holidays. So that's probably, like, I, I'm probably not doing, I'm not probably not thinking really clearly, right? Well, so what we encourage is you to embrace it as a lifestyle change <laughs> yeah. instead of a diet, right? And right, so but I'll, I'll start that lifestyle <laughs> then because I don't want to get on the scale now and feel bad. But yeah. maybe I should start with this getting on the scale tomorrow. But what there's little simple things that you can do, too. So what we, there's um, the new American plate. And what you do is you look at your plate and you see is there two-thirds plant-based and one-third animal-based and encouraging you to change your thinking a bit so that you're thinking of meat as a condiment rather than the focus of the meal. And and by doing that and making it a primarily plant-based plate, you're automatically reducing the sugar content and sure. the fat content, and you're helping to pull that diet into proportion or that meal into proportion. And that's something... Um, so I'm working on uh, part of my role is on this, a study called the Lean Study, and we're doing this with women who are undergoing breast cancer treatment. Right. And it's this lifestyle change where um, we have an intervention and a control group, but we're working with that intervention group to teach them that lifestyle change of that healthy eating and exercise and keep you moving. And now these women who are, you know, a few months out and they've embraced it are traveling now that they're done with their chemo and they're doing these big trips to Spain, um, you know, to the Midwest, and they're able to carry the principles that we've taught them to know what their plate looks like no matter where they are. And, and they so, don't feel like they're on a diet. And they do not feel like they're on a diet. And we encourage you're on vacation. So you can have that, you know, that extra little treat that means a lot to you while you're on vacation. That's important. And the same through the holidays, you do know. You, do you encourage people to continue tracking while they're on the holiday if they're looking at a total calorie? No. Nope, but what it would be is when they come back and they get, get back right into back that on. routine, yep, if they're struggling to get back into that healthy routine, then that's the time that they can reincorporate that tracking to reevaluate where they are. So I think in your case, Dr. Gore, <laughs> <laughs> you have a lot that's coming up, but I'm sure there's a lot of space in between where you'll sure. be home, where you have that opportunity to get back on track. Gotcha. And again, we don't want to make this about me, but maybe I, should, maybe I need to post some before and after pictures on the website and use go. that as a challenge. Um, interesting. So here's another little anecdote for you guys. Um, we, uh, my wife and I, really enjoy these new plant-based uh, meat substitutes that have come out, the Beyond Meat, I don't know if you've had that at all. There's Beyond Meat burgers and there's Beyond Meat sausage, which, is, which are spectacular. And they also have a ground beef thing that I haven't quite figured out how to use that, uh, which are made from, they're pea-based, mm -hmm. pea protein-based. And then there's these impossible burgers that you can't get uh, for home use, but they're in restaurants. Um, and we've had them in some really good restaurants. They're really delicious. Um, and as you may know, of course, Burger King is using the Impossible Burger now. So we were on the road, and we decided we got to try an Impossible Whopper just because, because we don't do fast food at all. They took a really great product, and I, I don't mean to be dissing Burger King, uh, but they took a really great product, and they made it into basically a Whopper, the same size and the same taste and the same bad everything. And, of course, it came with French fries, and it was 
it wasn't I didn't like it. I mean, I liked it, but I mean, it was sad, you know. But here, here they were using what I thought was a really great product, and it's still fast food when you eat it that way, huh? Yeah, well, they're going to try and keep their Whopper their Whopper, right? So they're going to keep that sauce on there, and they're going to keep the fries <laughs> with it. And so part of it is up to the consumer. Oh, to... <laughs> I do have to say, when that came out, I was... A little excited, too, but then I went on their website and found... It's like a 1,000 calories, right? Yeah, so it still comes down to the calories, and even though it's maybe more environmentally friendly because it's not animal-based, it's still very high calorie and, you know, can contribute to the weight problem we have in this country. Got it. So, okay, so our readership, uh, our readership, our listening audience is thinking, okay, I I think this is airing... The week before Thanksgiving, so they're planning their menus. What should they be thinking? Are they going to make a turkey this year? Are they going to go tofurkey? Are we doing Brussels sprouts? What should we What should we be thinking? No pumpkin pie. It's not sounding that Thanksgivingy. Yeah, but I that's mean, the holiday. Tur- that's the holiday. That okay. So yeah. So go, there are ways to lighten it. it up. Okay. You could. You what know. are some tips? Well, so depending on how um, tied you are to those family recipes, it might just be that you watch your portion control. You cook everything the same and you watch your portions. Aye. The other option would be to use, you know, a lower a lower fat milk when you make the mashed potatoes. And people at home might be cringing about the thought of that right now. And less um, butter. And less butter. Yep. Yep. Um, but you still, you know, all of those squashes are great sources of vitamins and minerals and phytonutrients. And the turkey is, is Nothing okay. wrong with turkey, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I think people don't think about the fact anymore that Thanksgiving is really a harvest celebration. And so um, if you think about it, there's really a a lot of vegetable based products that maybe we've just, you know, metamorphosized (laughs) into something else. Well, yeah, there is that famous harvesting of the of the uh, marshmallow. Right. (laughs) Right? Wasn't that a Native American right. festival? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Marshmallow harvest. Okay. Well, that's, that was a fast first half, but right now we've got to take a short break for a medical minute. Please stay tuned to learn more about healthy eating and my very bad habits and the holidays with Heidi Larson and Courtney McGowan. Support for Yale Cancer Answers comes from AstraZeneca, a biopharmaceutical business that is pushing the boundaries of science to deliver new cancer medicines. More information at AstraZeneca-US.com. This is a medical minute about genetic testing, which can be useful for people with certain types of cancer that seem to run in their families. Patients that are considered at risk receive genetic counseling and testing so informed medical decisions can be based on their own personal risk assessment. Resources for genetic counseling and testing are available at federally designated comprehensive cancer centers. Interdisciplinary teams include geneticists, genetic counselors, physicians, and nurses who work together to provide risk assessment and steps to prevent the development of cancer. More information is available at YaleCancerCenter.org. You're listening to Connecticut Public Radio. Welcome back to Yale Cancer Answers. This is Dr. Stephen Gore. I'm joined tonight by my guests, Heidi Larson and Courtney McGowan. We've been discussing healthy eating and the holidays and my unhealthy eating. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we were talking about Thanksgiving and what you guys were telling me was portion control. Eat the foods you like. But just don't eat so much. It's a, that, that sounds really easy, but 
how do you not take that second little bit that's like a whole cup of your sweet potatoes or mashed potatoes or you how do you just not do it? How do you when you're not, when you're cleaning up in the kitchen, not like you know just you need have to clean out that bottom of the pan? Don't you guys do that? I mean, you you pick and choose to some <laughs> to some degree. But the other Let's thing that honest, helps, ladies. How about this? How about you okay. finish your plate and you get up and you walk away from the table? I know. And you kind of circle the room, clear your plate, and if and the other thing that can help is to not keeping the food on the table where you're right. most likely you know it's in arm's reach. You can grab that serving a little easier than it would be if you had to get up and get it. And for weight control, I think, too, is incorporating some maybe new habits or traditions in your family. Maybe you there's a lot of uh, road races across Connecticut. Yeah, turkey trots and stuff. So maybe even if you can't run that, you could walk that. Mm. Or, you know, if many family traditions include like a family football game, just getting outside for a walk after you eat Hike, can whatever. get you away from the table and, you know, your attention on something else. Yeah, that's a great idea. So, and what about alcohol? Some, some families do and some families don't have alcohol as part of their Thanksgiving holiday celebration. Alcohol is kind of empty calories, right? It is. Um, you know, we follow a, the AICR recommendations. What's which is, AICR? It's the American Institute for Cancer Research. Okay. And they look a lot into um, preventing cancer. And their recommendation now is to limit alcohol to a serving uh, for women or two servings for men per day. Mm. So that would be like two glasses of wine, for example, or a cocktail yes. and a glass of wine or something like that? Yes. Gotcha. Um, so we've talked a lot about the obesity problem and mine in particular. Uh, mm-hmm. As an example, because I don't think I'm so different than a lot of people, um, but of course, uh, this is uh, Yale Cancer Answers. And for a lot of our patients, we really have the opposite problem, right? People undergoing cancer treatment or recovering from cancer treatment or in late stages of of uh, a cancer course and some of their appetites are not so good and some of them are having nausea problems and the holidays are just so fraught with emotional needs and expectations so that this to I think we should really focus on that what what is your advice for your patients uh, whom you see uh, who really want to have a meaningful holiday with their families for some of them it may be their unfortunate last Thanksgiving hopefully not for most of them but even for the ones who are likely to survive your breast cancer patients etc they just can't imagine eating that Thanksgiving meal what, what should they do? I think it's for, you know very different for each family so you try and focus on what's important for them mm-hmm. and sometimes the focus might be on planning activities other than just food, mm-hmm. having games. So some patients, uh, so a patient who ha- maybe has esophageal cancer and can't swallow might not be able to eat at a meal at all mm-hmm. with their family. Sure. So it's important to... I hadn't even thought about that. Two people who get tube feedings in their stomach, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to have different a different focus than just food. Have games, um, maybe go over um, photo albums, you know, from years past, um, you know, share memories. So I think just having different focuses. As far as, you know, the focus on 
food, I think, for a patient who might be sensitive to smells. Right, which is a lot of them, right, getting chemo, especially or radiation. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, stay away from the cooking smells. Mm -hmm. If, you know, everybody's cooking downstairs, you know, maybe go off into an office, you know, have a small group of people there that can play games. I also, I got this tip from a patient. It's one of the best I've uh, gotten, and I share it, and people say it's quite effective, is you can use uh, peppermint oil. You put it on your wrists in the morning. So if you have, if there's an offensive smell, you know, you just smell your wrist, and that helps cover up, you know, the other offending smells. And that lasts a whole day, or do you renew it? or? So if it's a peppermint oil, it should last, you know, at least several hours. Hmm. I bet that's not on your dietary boards, but it could be on your nutrition boards. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. That sounds nutrition Well, they're not yeah. consuming it. So yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> I know a lot of my um, patients... Uh, not specifically around Thanksgiving, but similar things. They're so concerned about not spoiling their family's time. Mm-hmm. Uh, many patients feel like their family is already giving so much to them and that they're taking, you know, quote, more attention than, or resources. A lot, some patients really uh, feel concerned about that. And so they really want to make that best effort to be grandma at the Thanksgiving table. I, do you have any ad- advice for them or is it just to – to help give empower them to just get what they need and and redirect. Part of what gets what gets difficult is that for those caregivers who are trying to support the patient, one of the best ways they know how to care for people period is through food. Oh, and yeah. that's how we Mom's care. Mom's not for, eating, right? Right. And so they're going to cook everything under the sun to try and find something that will appeal to the mm-hmm. patient. And a lot of times the patients, from what we hear, is, you know, less is more. And so keeping those portions small, not putting an overwhelming amount of food um, can be beneficial. And just hearing what the patient is saying and understanding that food may not be the way to make them feel comfortable and um, at that time. Yeah, you know, my um, my mom died of pancreas cancer uh, quite a number of years ago, and the last family event, she died uh, like the 1st of May-ish, and the last family event uh, that uh, we had was a Passover Seder in Chicago that we made at her apartment, and uh, the nice thing about that is she was, in retrospect, pretty far along and probably didn't eat very much of anything, but because the Seder, you know, has a lot of singing and sharing and the kids were there, uh, I think we all felt so good. Uh, I think she felt good at being able to be a piece of that, um, even though, uh, you know, it wasn't the food thing. Um, She wasn't having food aversion, but, you know, pancreas cancer, she really had no appetite really at that point. Yeah, it might have been a relief to her to have those distractions from the food. Yeah, so I, I hear what you're saying. And again, we hadn't I think we just kind of stumbled into that because we wanted to do it for us as well as for her. Yeah. It's amazing. I, last, year, last year you guys were talking about um, rainbow food. Is that still a thing? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yes. tell, tell us about rainbow foods. So, I like beets. So I think it's a trend for people to get hyper-focused on one individual power food. So a few years ago, it might have been... <laughs> yep, kale. Blueberries. Kale. I think uh, avocado is mm. one this year, which is tasty. But I think, you know, that kind of loses the point. There's different nutrients 
and different foods that can have potential benefits for you. So if you're just focusing on berries or avocados, you're missing out on others. So the bottom line is to try and choose foods and a colorful variety of foods, all the foods of the rainbow. So instead of just kale, you know, you want to get some orange carrots or peppers um, in there as well. Um, Green is easy. Yeah. Green. Um, Red gets, I guess you get peppers and tomatoes. Yep, and um, apples and pomegranates and blue berries. Is a, blue is a little tough outside of blueberries, and they're not always in season, right? Yeah, they do purple carrots, um, eggplant. That's true. Yeah, and purple potatoes, too. Purple potatoes. Do you think, are those purple foods really any better than their beige varieties? Yeah, so phytonutrients are the... Is it nu- true? Yeah, they're the nutrients that give plants their colors, and so each of those phytonutrients make the plant a different color. So by eating the different colors, you're getting a more wider variety of the phytonutrients. No kidding. So it's really, it's not just a thing. It's legit. (laughs) Purple cauliflower, same? Yep. Yep. Interesting, because purple potatoes, when you cook them, sometimes the purple goes away. So if you boil them, and you'll probably notice the longer you cook them, the more color they use, you can lose uh, phytonutrients the longer you cook a food. Uh, So roast them better? Yep. Roasting, yeah, roast, uh, pan saute them because even if you lose some nutrients and some oil, they'll leach into the oil and you'll still get that benefit when you eat eat it. Okay, so purple potatoes, but probably don't mash them because you have to boil them if you mash them, right? Gotcha. That sounds like a nice, uh, colorful Thanksgiving yeah. plate that you've spread. You've got, uh, I can picture the orange sweet potatoes or uh, squash. Yeah, some yeah. Cranberry sauce. Cranberry sauce. Yeah. Is a, that's a great color. I love yeah. the pomegranate idea. Yeah. What do you like to do with pomegranates besides just uh, cut them and pick them and eat the seeds and make a big mess? Which is what I like to do. <laughs> do you, anything else? Do you sprinkle them on salads? Do you guys juice them? If you um, you can make a like a punch and mm. you know sprinkle them on, in your drink. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know some of the so, Middle Eastern uh, cultures make a molasses. They call it out of pomegranate, and they mm. use it as a as a. Uh, uh, it's not exactly a condiment, but as a, actually a, a, a food um, flavoring element, which is uh, super tasty. It sounds delicious. Yeah, it's really delicious. <laughs> and it can go on salads. Yeah, that's great easily. on salads. But I do like to just cut them and uh, eat them. They're so good, except that I'm usually wearing some clothes and they get all messy in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. uh, so next time we're going to have you on, we're going to have you with your solutions for stains from your <laughs> rainbow. You guys good at that? <laughs> well, that's actually why I don't like beets, because they make too much of a mess in the beets kitchen. Beets are messy. What about golden beets, though? They're not so bad. They are. I'll cook with those once in a while. Yeah, gotcha. What are your favorite things? Uh, Thanksgiving foods that you can sort of uh, recommend for our, you know, healthy and uh, recovering patients. Any any fun tips that you'd like to share? I know I, we didn't prepare you for that, so you know it's okay. If you <laughs> don't mean to put you on the spot. What's your no, fa- What's okay. your favorite fun thing? I, I like making a, like a sweet potato soup every year, mm. uh, and you know when it applies to cancer patients, you know, it's easy for somebody to swallow. Mm -hmm. Sweet potatoes are really easy on the stomach. Mm -hmm. I use, um, you know, it's a blended soup, so I use coconut milk. Coconut milk is easy to digest. um, And flavorful. Yeah. So it is like, you know, tends to be a big hit. A little cumin. Do you saute onions and garlic or do you stay away from that? Yeah, onions, garlic, 
um, you know, boiled uh, or roasted sweet potatoes, mm -hmm. and then you just blend it with, you know, coconut milk. Use an immersion blender or food processor or blender, well, whatever you want? Really, you can use whatever you have. Yeah. So. That sounds lovely. Carrot soup is another one that we we like. It's uh, oh, it's kind great of with ginger. With a little ginger. ginger yeah. yeah. Yep. And ginger is great for nausea. Yeah. With nausea. Good. Good mm -hmm. hint. Yep. What, what about you? What's your favorite yeah. uh, little tip? I like a big tray of roasted veggies. The yeah. more variety, the better. With the beets and the Brussels sprouts and carrots. And, uh -huh. Do you roast yeah. them all at one time? And some recipes. You know, sometimes you read in cookbooks and they say roast like one pan, just put the beets in. I can't really figure that out. Yeah, you know, I've got three little kids, so they go on one pan <laughs> and they're in the oven. <laughs> right. How many ovens I've, do you have, right? Yeah. 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 I prefer practical. So, do you, do yeah. you spray olive oil on them? Yep. Or, uh -huh. yep. Yep. A little yeah, salt? A little or? olive oil. I put a little bit of salt or uh -huh. other seasonings, a little basil, oregano. Um, yeah. Brussels sprouts? Yep. Are we, are we up with Brussels sprouts A little balsamic vinegar Yum. them, too. Yep. I think I should come to your Thanksgiving holidays. <laughs> and then you could, like, tell me when to stop eating, and then maybe that would be – maybe that's what I need is somebody to police me, which I realize is totally, totally a bad idea, right? Yeah. We, we have to take responsibility for our own health. Yep. Yeah. yeah. What about that from a patient point of view? Because as we're, as we're running out of time a little bit, you know um, – from the family's point of view, you pointed out that families, you know, eat, eat, eat. Why aren't you eating? I always hear, you know, even if a patient's been in the hospital for two days and they haven't eaten, that's that's what the family's focused on. You know, whose responsibility is it? How do we let people off the hook, the family members, or should they be pushing? You know, I, I believe firmly because, you know, if sometimes in family dynamics, it becomes less about the food and more about the relationship and the conflict. So for caregivers who are getting frustrated, I encourage them to provide something, but not to push them to eat it and provide in small amounts. Um, so beyond that, you know, there really shouldn't be a lot of pushing to eat um, because, you know, it results in a lot of tension and conflict. Courtney McGowan and Heidi Larson are registered dietitians. If you have questions, the address is canceranswers at yale.edu, and past editions of the program are available in audio and written form at yalecancercenter.org. We hope you'll join us next week to learn more about the fight against cancer here on Connecticut Public Radio.